this week on Birdland BS. It's episode 65, and we're calling this a steal in Pittsburgh. That's right, the Ravens steal a division win. Up next, the dog pound. Terps prep for the Wolverines, and a bittersweet end in Birdland. Stay tuned. So let's take it to the Birdland. That Baltimore home flavor is coming firsthand. Fred Scott and Ryan, tell them the word, man. Mixing a little BS to make it work, man. Sports, they got it. When excitement, the topic. Make sure when they toss you the ball, you don't drop it. With all that swag, you're going to listen regardless. Here comes the pitch, so it's time to get it started. It's Birdland BS. What's up, Birdland BSers? Fred and Scott in studio. It's episode 65, and this episode brought to you by John Sheffenacher of Cummings & Co. Realtors. Are you looking to buy or sell your home? Do you want someone you can trust to go to bat for you? Go see our guy John Sheffenacher over at Cummings & Co. Realtors. John's been in the business for four years now. It's dedicated to getting you the best deal possible. Always willing to take your call and be available for you anytime, day or night. For you Birdland fans out there, you may know him as the sunglass guy sitting behind the dugout at Camden Yards. So give John a call at 443-604-6298. Yeah, Fred, my wife and I actually used John when we bought our house three years ago. Uh, He's always willing to take your call. Heck, we called the guide about seeing a house while he was on vacation. Not only did he get us into the house, but we wound up buying that exact house. Uh, Not only is he a strong negotiator, he got us the best deal, but he continues to take care of us at his many client events as well. Um, And with Thanksgiving coming up, I know I'm going to see him when he hand delivers that pie to my front door. Mm. And you know I love me some pecan pie, Fred. Some good stuff. Um, And so don't hesitate to give John a call today at 443-604-6298 or email him at johnsheffa at gmail.com. That's J-O-N. S-C-H-E-F-F-A at gmail.com. And don't forget to, ten- to tell them that Birdland BS is the one that sent you. That's right. Birdland BS sent you. Make sure you call our guy, John. Good guy. It's episode 65, man. Exciting week in Birdland. And a very exciting week in Birdland. If you're a uh, Ravens fan, you're happy about a huge win in Pittsburgh. If you're an Orioles fan, I think you're just happy that it's over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're very happy that it's over if you're an Orioles right, fan. Right, so big, big week in Birdland. Uh, the, the Ravens steal a huge, huge division win up in Pittsburgh. Can't put enough emphasis on that uh, at all, really. Uh, this this team continues to impress. Joe Flacco keeps, continues to put up career numbers. This guy is on a whole nother level, and... I got to pat myself on the back a little bit here for a second. <laughs> I said going into this year, I thought uh, that Flacco might have a career type year. And I don't know it's only four weeks into the season, but these numbers don't lie. He's got 1,252 yards, eight touchdowns, and two interceptions in four, in four games. That's on pace for 5,008 yards and 32 touchdowns this year. It, it, has, it has been a decent year. Four Flacco. That's like MVP type numbers. Five thousand yards. We haven't seen Flacco hit four thousand yards. He's on pace for five. 
ridiculous. Who would you rather have, Patrick Mahomes or Joe Flacco? Patrick Mahomes. Okay, my case in point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a very pass-happy league right now. And, and, I mean, quarterbacks are putting up numbers that are obscene so far this season. Uh, <laughs> and it really seems to be the the Ravens with the only defense so far this season that's been able to hold some some high powered offenses in check. Yeah, you know they were talking about it on the NFL Network uh, today, and actually I believe yesterday, the Ravens are the only team to have a top five defense yeah. and a top five offense. Pretty telling. I, ironically, you, if you go back and you you didn't listen to our previous podcast, go back and listen to some of our podcast preseason. What did we say this team had the potential to do? We said this team has the potential to be top five in running, mm-hmm. which unfortunately that's the place that they've been lacking most. Yeah. Uh, but we also said that this defense had the ability to look good on paper. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I really thought that there would be so much more emphasis on the running game this season that, yeah, I, I, I said that they would easily be, in my opinion, a top 10 running team. This year, they were just outside of the top 10 last year, that this year they could get over that hurdle and get into the top 10. But they haven't needed it. No, they like haven't. Like I said, I mean, the first two games didn't dictate it, like we talked about last week with Ryan. Uh, and again, appreciate you coming on the show on such short notice, Ryan. Scott had a lot of things going on. Uh, we'll get into that in a minute. We'll get into, we'll get into that in a little bit. But appreciate you, Ryan, for coming on. Uh, we had uh, I had a, f- a lot of fun with you last week. But uh, – yeah, I mean, the, the, again, this offense, the first week, didn't need to run the ball. I mean, they did so good. <laughs> what was that? It's like an echo. Uh, the offense did so good against Buffalo in the first quarter. I mean, the game was pretty much over by the end of the first quarter, midway through the second quarter, and, and they didn't really have a whole lot of reason to run the ball, you know, especially with Collins and right. Exactly. I mean, it was a wet, it was a wet day. And then again, week two, you're playing against Cincy. You fall behind big against Cincy. So you're playing from behind. You don't run the ball when you're playing from behind. You got to get points. You got to get it pretty quickly. Um, so really it's been these last two weeks and we've seen more of a commitment to the run. And, you know, although they're not putting up huge numbers, you know, Alex Collins averaged a, just shy of four yards per carry against Pittsburgh. Flacco, again, is just carrying this offense to a whole nother level. It's it's been it's been quite interesting to see how well he's performed, you know, with with everything. And he's he's had the connections that the biggest connection can't go without saying. Yeah. Smokey Brown. Yeah. Been lighting it up, and, and there's there's call there's call from some people you know in in the media industry of do you sign Smokey Brown now? Yeah, I brought that up. I don't know if that was last week with Ryan or the week before to you. Um, I I think that's a, absolutely. I know I know the only knock on John Brown in his career has been his injury history, right? But you as an organization are so bad at drafting wide receivers, right? Stick to what you're good at. Now, I know Eric DaCosta is coming in. He's going to be the new GM moving forward. How many of these moves in the past have been Eric's or how many of them have been Ozzy? That kind of thing. We don't know, I guess, until we give Eric a couple years to kind of take the reins on things. But here's the thing. You, you know, as an organization, you have been terrible at drafting wide receivers and developing wide receivers. You found a diamond in a rough. 
I'm not saying John Brown is is one of the best wide receivers in the game, but he compliments Joe and Joe compliments him very well. They have they have a chemistry that they've developed in a very very short amount of time. And and I one thing that I've always kind of knocked Flacco for is his ability to hit receivers in stride, especially with the deep ball. You know, he he has one of the best deep balls. He has one of the best arms in the league. But he's always had these passes that kind of leave receivers having to slow down and wait for the ball to get there, that yeah. kind of thing. He's never been able to hit his his receivers in stride. It's been a big struggle. But he's been able to do that with John Brown without a hitch. Yeah, no. Well, and you know, George on on YouTube brings up a, a good a good point. You know, there is cons- you know some cause for concern with other receivers that aren't performing at the level that we thought like yeah. a Crabtree who's been kind of struggling with the drops a little bit, you know, and the concern for me with that is, is, you know, Crabtree, while we didn't go out and we didn't spend the bank on him, yeah. we spent a little bit of money, you know? Yeah. We, I, the thing with Crabtree, you knew going into getting him, he was a guy that, that was prone to dropping the ball. That was, that was one of his knocks. He is a very, uh, boomer bust type receiver as well. He right. he makes the big plays when you need him the most, and then I think I don't know if it's a concentration thing with him where he's not watching the ball into his hands. But there, I mean, there were a few Something. drops. There were a few drops in this game, and there's been I think he has six or seven drops already on the season. So I totally agree with you uh, that Crabtree needs to clean that up. But when you have pieces like John Brown playing the play the way he's playing, Willie Sneed making these tough third down conversion catches unsung hero in Sneed, by the very, way, very much. So a guy that I was kind of skeptical kind of going into the year. I didn't know how much drew Brees was Sneed or Sneed was drew, drew Brees, Brees, that type of thing. You know, I, I, he was an undrafted guy and, you know, wasn't really highly touted, obviously coming out of college, but he, he's done well. Again, he's not putting up, ridiculous stats but he's getting a good amount of catches he's built a good rapport with with Flacco he's shown that he has good hands and that he's not afraid to take a hit for as little as a guy as he is he'll put his head down and he'll go up with the biggest of the guy oh yeah no absolutely he's not he's not going to shy away and that's that's exactly what this team needs you can't be shying away when you need the you know when you need the big play so to speak that's a you know a shorter big play um but for me the the big thing is is when you look at at we've talked about the wide receiving core right but max williams and mark andrews have been very Dude. crucial and you know once once hayden i thought it was there were people that were i got into a little bit of a discussion with somebody on twitter that they were saying, oh, it's ridiculous that hayden hurst isn't playing i'm like this is the worst game to bring hayden hurst back into yeah right you know, this is the most physical of physical games. Like that is what this rivalry is known for. Well, I had somebody be like, "Well, see, that's it, the the game was fine. He could have gone in there, but you don't know how that game's going to play out." And right. being the history of this team, these teams up until last week, these teams, are, or I'm sorry, up until this week, these teams have always, always had three or six point games. Oh yeah, three and six point games, and they're always black and blue type games. Ex- I mean, like. Airs injuries coming off the field, guys are roughed up. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I think Hayden Hurst, you know, coming back. But Max Williams has surprised me. Dude, he was a guy that I had kind of written off in the beginning of the year. A guy that, looking at the numbers, I didn't see the team carrying four tight ends and all of that. And then, obviously, the Hayden Hurst 
injury kind of bought Max, in my opinion, bought <laughs> Max Williams some time. It did to kind of prove himself. And by far, this this year has been his best four game run as a professional so far. So, and and that was that was the thing that I was kind of worried about with Max Williams is. He still is so young. We drafted this guy as a 21-year-old out of college, out of Minnesota. A super young guy, even though he feels like he's been in the league for a while. I think he's still only 24, 25 young years kid, old. Yeah. I think he actually is younger than Hayden Hurst, our first-round draft pick. <laughs> you know, But what's, what's good is, like I told Ryan, and like you just said, Andrews and, and Williams have had a good rapport with Flacco and have been playing well that I didn't want to see them rush Hayden Hurst back. I didn't want to see them put him at risk of getting hurt. We didn't need him. We're going to need him moving forward. Give him that extra week of rest. Let him come back at his own pace. Um, And I think he'll fit right into this offense. So when Hurst comes back, who's going down? I don't know, man. That's a tough call. I mean, like I said, before, the easy call for me would have been Max Williams. Uh, Right now, I mean, out of all the tight ends that they have, really the only one that's kind of not doing a whole lot in the offense would be Nick Boyle. But he is so important as a blocker that I can't see him not being on the roster. They've they've got some big decisions to make with the roster coming up with obviously Jimmy Smith now coming back uh, after his suspension, you know, they got to make a, a roster spot for him. Hayden Hurst coming back, yeah. you know, they've they, they've got a lot of things that they a lot of shifting around that they've got to do. But man, what a huge huge week and a huge win against the Steelers. You know, going going into this game, there were a couple of things that I wanted to look at and pay attention to, and I thought would be crucial to whether the Ravens come out victorious in this game or not. First thing, obviously, containing all the weapons that that Pittsburgh throws out there. Yeah. I mean, all across the field, you've got you know AB on the one side, you've got Juju on the other side, you've got the rookie wide receiver in James Washington, you've got this young up and coming with a chip on his shoulder, James Conner running back, who's played really really well up until this week. And then you've got Big Ben, who Big Ben is Big Ben. I mean, he's putting yeah. up numbers, and you know he's always played well against us. But man, we did a really, really good job of shutting him down, specifically in the second half. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> the defense. This defense gets the you know gets the game ball. Yeah. I said I, I said after the game, you know, Wink Wink gets the game ball ultimately because he he led that defense with the play calling and got them to a point where it was shut down defense. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to say old school Ravens S cause it was a completely different era, right. but it, it, it was a new era of what I hope we see a lot more of <laughs> because going into this next game, one of the things they did great with was, you know, they, they limited Brown, they yeah. limited Schuster, they limited Connor. So you lit, you limited their three outside of Ben, Right. They're three biggest weapons. Absolutely, McDonald is or, yeah, McDonald is the only one that really kind of stood out, and that's because he carried like four guys at yeah, one hey, time. That dude's now. a strong guy. He's, He's the guy that stiff armed a guy in yeah. uh, in Tampa Bay. Stiff armed a guy right to the IR. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, to to see us contain all of those guys, it gave me hope. You know, and we're going to talk about it in a few minutes about the game against the Browns because I think that plays a huge role moving forward. Yeah. Because one of the things we saw was we against Cincinnati, 
what could we not do? We couldn't contain their big weapons. Right. We couldn't. And so to have that, have us be able to contain our big weapon, you know, their big weapons and, and get the Steelers down and kind of back on their heels in the second half right. was great to see. And they need to carry that momentum. And one big thing I thought was huge in this game and really so far this season, the difference with Wink Martindale, right? To some from the outside, you might not notice certain things, but if you really pay attention in, in years past with this team, one of my biggest critiques was DMPs never matched up their best corner with the opposing team's best wide receiver. It was a side of the field type thing. Jimmy played up top. Whoever else was playing down low played down low. And he never he never had a corner follow a receiver all around the field. We see that this year. Marlon Humphrey locked down AB. I mean, yes, he yeah. had the one touchdown, but outside of that, AB is AB. To give up this, one touchdown right, to AB. This guy, I mean, he normally he's gonna put up a hundred to hundred and fifty yards without you know, I didn't look at breath. the. I didn't look at the stats. Did you look how many receptions AB even had? I think he had game? he had five or six. Okay, it, so it so to limit AB to five catches in right. that game right. in one of the biggest rivals rivalries in all of football. Yeah, I think he had like five or six catches, maybe like sixty some yards, and he had the one touchdown. That difference in in keeping Marlin on AB stopped AB. Brandon Carr, Brandon Carr, <sighs> played on a whole other level. This is a guy that. Again, I was kind of hard on preseason. I said he was going to make this team because he was he was the vet back there. He's the vet, but he's also a guy that later on in in last year had slowed down a little bit and was getting beat by you know certain receivers. But he played really really well against Juju. In specifically the 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 pass deflection that he broke up in the the touchdown in the end zone. Yeah. Unreal. I mean, he literally punched that ball straight out of his hands in the end zone, and that was a game changer. It was a huge game changer. Yeah. the the other The other game changer for me is the way Jefferson's been playing. Yeah, Jefferson's has been from that safety position has been spotting the ball and spotting spotting the quarterback and and getting to the ball very quickly and very well. And right. so I think we continue to see that uh, with it. The other thing that we saw was special teams kind of getting back on track a little bit in this yeah. game. Yes. Um, very clean snaps. You know, you you and I talked about that and you mentioned that. You know, what what do you think the big difference was between two weeks ago and, and this past week? I don't know. I mean, again, Ryan and I were talking about this last week. Morgan Cox is a guy that you don't really think about. You don't really talk about him much just because he's just so automatic with stuff. So for him to have a couple of of high snaps and whatnot really like kind of caught my attention. Now, it didn't affect Tucker's ability to make the field goals. He's still, you know, again, Sam Koch is a very good athlete. He was able to get the ball down, and and it didn't affect Justin Tucker. But from – the special teams line, you know, where Denver had one field goal block, he had the punt block. Those are things that you never see from this team. And they did a good job of making the adjustments to clean that up against Pittsburgh. So special teams, a big, you know, obviously Tucker with the big four field goals, they, yeah. they get an A. I mean, they, they played very well in this game. Tim White, I mean, he didn't have any big returns or anything like that, but made all the catches that he was supposed to make very clean. 
uh, kept us in, you know, in, in good field position, didn't let them, you know, kick the ball and, and get, you know, pin us back on the five yard line or anything like that too much. Right. So, I, you know, Tim White, again, he may, he might not be the explosive returner, but very shorthanded. Uh, so I like what we saw on special teams. It's just, <clears throat> I think defensively, this team is just, it's on another level. We, we hear Eric Weddle saying, this ain't the same Ravens. This ain't the same Ravens in all his, <laughs> in his interviews. Every man. time. <laughs> and it's not. A, it's, it's a totally different defense. This offense, again, is putting up numbers that we've never seen from a Joe Flacco-led offense. Yeah. As dirt to dirt as Marty Morningwig might be, and as dirt to dirt <laughs> as Joe Flacco might be, they they complement each other pretty darn well. Um, and and it's not drinking the purple Kool Aid. That's not being a homer or anything. Just look at the numbers. Top five offense, and we it's no run. You know we haven't talked about it yet. We're gonna get to it here in a second. Top five offense. With essentially no running game. Right, exactly. You know, Alex Collins had a big fumble there that actually opened up the door for the the Steelers here. Right. I mean, this is impressive without a running back when that's the one thing we all thought was going to be sure. Right. We thought Alex Collins was going to be, you know, and what f- it was. And for those out there that are giving Alex Collins a hard time, give us, give us some time. Alex Collins... Again, the first two weeks didn't have to do a whole lot. These last two weeks, you know, he hasn't done bad. He just hasn't broken off the big chunk yardage that we're looking for. But he's taken those three, four, six, seven-yard gains. I'm drawing a blank on his name. But the guy that did the, the, the coach that did the interview, they're not who we thought we were, who they thought who we thought they were. Who oh, was that? Uh, Dennis Green. Yeah. That come just He's not who we thought he was. He's not who we thought he was. That's why I feel like Ravens fans are with Alex Collins. And it's not the case. You're exactly right. You got, you got to give him some time. Because here's the deal. When you, as, as Smokey Brown continues to do what he's been doing, Sneed continues to do what he's been doing, Andrews, as long as these guys are continuing to open up the field as the way that they've been done, been doing, and John Brown getting back behind the safeties consistently as he has been, right. All you're going to do is you're going to pull the the uh, middle linebacker back into a little bit more of a coverage zone off or zone defense, and that guess what? Alex Collins is going to start finding some holes, right? And once he does, it's good. It, the problem is Alex Collins has been stopped at the line of scrimmage. When Alex Collins gets open field, that's when he's making his, that's when he's getting his chunk yardage. Right. But if he can't get past the line of scrimmage, if he can't if he can't get that hole because the offensive line isn't they they held up a little bit better in this game, yeah. but they haven't been holding up as better as good as we've expected or wanted them to. And once they do that, or once it, something gets figured out in the play calling and and the the positioning and the roles. Then maybe we see Alex Collins start to break these off a little bit easier and a little bit quicker. Yeah, I mean, I give a lot of kudos to the offensive line. The offensive line has played above my expectations going in. When I first looked at Harbaugh's selection for the starting offensive line, which has been consistent here for these four games, I didn't think it was his best five that he had out there. And, and look, still don't think it is. By I the still way. don't think it is. But they're playing at a pretty well, a pretty good level. They're really good at pass protection. They're just not that great at run, you know, at run blocking. Uh, that's where they're struggling. But again, <clears throat> even if you're struggling with that, you don't want to get away from having that that balance. You know, you don't want to become too predictable of an offense. You know, nobody is really game planned for the Ravens as being this pass happy threat. You know, <laughs> pass threading. 
team. But now they've got four games on tape that show that the Ravens can put the ball up and put the ball in the air, and it's not going to be just a running, you know, grinded-out type game that the Ravens are capable of putting up 30-plus points in a game. Right. You know, when's the last time we could say that we had an offense that's able to put up 30-plus points in a game? I can't think of a time. I can't. Right. So, I mean, look, the offense is playing good. Enjoy it. I think the running game will come along. Alex Collins will get back to what we saw a little bit of last year. But, again, defensively, this team has far exceeded my expectations, especially in coverage. You know, I thought, you know, when we had the the corners get injured and we had uh, Jimmy get the the – the suspension and all that stuff. I, you know, I, I had no issues with Marlon Humphrey. Marlon Humphrey's a good guy, uh, you know, good, good corner. Tavon Young, I thought getting him back was crucial to this defense. He's, he's a good slot corner. It was that Brandon Carr. It was that other side that I'd been worried about. But again, he played lights out. And another guy, not secondary wise, but an unsung hero, in my opinion, that's kind of gone under the radar that nobody really talks about, Anthony Levine. And he was huge. Huge in this game. Yeah, absolutely. I pulled up some stats and was looking at some numbers. When he was in the game yesterday, or not yesterday, Sunday, Sunday they, the Ravens' defense was giving up 2.6 yards per play. When he wasn't on the field, 6.8. 2.6 to 6.8. That's a huge difference. You know, 2.6 yeah. is going to shut you down. And he also had three huge pass deflections on third down which forced, you know, the Steelers to punt the ball to us. Again, a guy that kind of goes under the radar. He I call him the Swiss Army knife of the defense because he, <laughs> I like that. He, I like that. He, he kind of does a little bit of everything. You can line him up as a safety, you can play him in the box as a linebacker, you can even play him outside to get a little bit of pass rush. Like he is all over the field, and that's what, you know, versatility will extend your career a long time in the NFL if, if you can do multiple things like that. The more you can do, the better off you are. Absolutely. I mean, you may not you may not be getting paid a, a, a ton right off the bat, but you'll make your money over time. Don't worry. You'll make your money over time. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, it, that Tony Jefferson, uh, you know, playing a, a big game. What was your take on that, that, that interception, <laughs> fumble, whatever they wanted to rule it? To me, it looked like an interception, but they ruled it like a strip fumble. I'm looking he at strong- fantasy stats like, that's an interception, but they ruled it as like a strip fumble. I, I would call it a strip fumble because it never hit the ground. It, he literally just took it out of his arm and landed on the ground with it. Almost returned it for pick six, but you know his leg got like, touched or something. So you know, it was barely got touched, but <laughs> it was leg touching leg or arm yeah. touching leg or whatever. Right. Yeah, no, like I, that's what that's the play that I was that I was most impressed with because he just he just straight out was like, "Give me that," <laughs> you know, just took it away, just from give him. me that, and I, I got it, you know, and that's that's the mentality he had. But you know what? Good on him because that's that's the mentality they need to have. One thing I don't like, though, and it's a tale of the story for this defense that could wind up being their downfall, and it's what happened with McDonald. Right. Sometimes they get a little too Ed Reed happy. And what I mean by that is they're too worried about stripping the football instead of making the tackle. Yeah, I mean, I have noticed that with some of the guys trying to, you know, ripping at the arm, trying to make that big play. That was a big Ed Reed move. But the difference between the way that they are and the way that Ed Reed Reed would try to strip. And if he couldn't, guess what? You were getting wrapped up. Right. 
right. he could true. do both. He could do both. But one of these guys, one of these guys, you know, they go through and trying and try and hit it out, and it becomes a problem. And you know, it's it's my only my only qualm right now with this defense is just making sure that we are trying to tackle primary. Right. You know. That's always should be your primary focus, not Look, stripping the ball. It's hard to poke holes in this defense right now. It really is. It, it is. Again, it is. It's been, they've playing, been playing amazing. They're playing so well. Uh, you just got to hope that it continues. That you know they, they. You know, one of the things is Brandon Williams and, and Michael Pierce weren't really on the field a whole lot together in this game, and I think they're doing some things with substitutions and whatnot that are that are designed to help keep players fresh. You know, I was, I was talking to another guy at work today, and he was talking about like he feels there's a lack of pass rush from this team, and I don't think it's a lack of pass rush. I went and looked at the stats. The Ravens are only rushing on twenty percent of their plays, twenty percent. So it's not it's it, it is a it is a lack of attempts, but the amount that they're using, they're the way they're picking their battles, they're doing well. Uh, in those situations. Again, Zadarius Smith had a huge week last week. We didn't see a whole lot of pressure on Ben, but there were, you know, sometimes that we made him uncomfortable. And and uncharacteristically, we saw Ben make some some bad throws, some, some bad decisions. Bad decisions. He, got, he does that every once in a while. He try he would try to like pump fake and 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 keep the ball and he you know the ball would slip out of his hands. Just things that you don't normally see from Ben. I mean that's what happens when your fans wave little yellow towels. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Well, it's it's kind of a, a shit show going on in Pittsburgh right now. It's a bunch of of me's on that team, and not yeah. not a team. Um, you know, a bunch of guys that are just after a, a payday and after a contract, and you know, whining about every little thing that they can whine about. But that's fine. We'll go into Pittsburgh. <laughs> we'll we'll rub your nose in the dirt. You know, I don't care. We'll exactly. take the win. Ravens sit at three and one now. That's a huge road win in Pittsburgh. Uh, up next. The dog pound. Here we come, Cleveland. You know, Baker's a real deal. Yeah. I hate to admit that because I don't I don't like Baker Mayfield. There's something about the guy that I don't like. See, I'm on the opposite end of that. I like him. But I can't deny his playability. Yeah. But this is where I was kind of leading to why I was glad to see us contain Brown, Juju, and Connor. Okay. Because here's what we need to win against the Browns. And we'll get into my controversial, I'll leave it at that, my controversial statement of when we uh, when we make our picks this week. <laughs> um, dun, dun, dun. There, is, there is one key to this game for me. And that is you have to keep Baker to more than three seconds or two and a half seconds on these throws. And here's why. The throws that he's been making, I'm not denying it all. The guy has been making these tight window throws, hitting these receivers. Mm -hmm. But it's consistently at two and a half seconds. If you get this guy to three seconds, at that two and a half, you can start see, you can see the pocket already breaking down at two and a half. Right. At three seconds, I get this guy on his heels. That window becomes tighter. And now our defensive players, they as long as they can stay and contain guys like Landry we can really have a shot at containing Baker Mayfield and being the team that shuts him up. Right. You know, the the Ravens have a history and we've talked about it before, which is why we thought the bills didn't go with Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. We have a history of always doing well against rookie QBs. Right. 
he's the guy that I think could upset the apple cart. Look, like you said, Baker is the real deal. Um, there's there's an excitement about watching him play. Um, there's a little bit of Brett Favre. There's a little bit of Drew Brees. I think it's kind of a a hybrid of the two of those guys that I can see in, in Baker. Um, I think he's going to have... With the mobility of Rodgers, by the way. Yeah, I think he's going to have a heck of an NFL career. Um but he hasn't gone up against a vaunted defense. Nothing like what this Ravens defense has so far. No. Now, I mean, he did put up some pretty impressive numbers in a short second half stint against the Jets on his first, you know, NFL work as right. a, as a as a QB. And then this past week, I mean, took it down to the wire and really lost to the Raiders in a controversial game. There was a couple of calls in that game that uh, did not go the Browns' way. They could very easily have won that game. Yeah, um, high scoring game too. Very Let's high scoring game. That. Right, exactly. Him and him and Landry seem to be having you know a good connection there between the two of them pretty quickly. Uh, he goes through, like you said, the, the whole two point five thing is he goes through his progressions quickly. Uh, and he makes his decisions quickly um, because, like you said, he fits it in tight windows, and you can't fit it in tight windows if you're not reacting and making your decisions fast. Yeah. The, the the advantage that I think the Ravens have here is the secondary has played pretty shut down. You're getting one of the best corners in the league, in my opinion, back in Jimmy Smith, coming back from injury. Staying healthy, knock on wood. Right. Now you've got – a plethora of corners that you can kind of rotate in and keep people fresh and that kind of thing. And again, you've got you got, with Marlon and Jimmy and Tavon out there on the field together. That's a nasty set of corners and that's going to pre- prevent, or it's going to cause issues for Baker and to go along with that. Like I was just saying, I don't, you know, the Ravens have been blitzing like 20%. The way you, disrupt a young quarterback or a rookie quarterback you get in his face you get in his face you put pressure on him so i think the ravens and that's one thing that i like about wink is that he makes adjustments based on who he's playing and even in-game adjustments which we usually don't see yeah, from DPs and other people he makes really good in-game adjustments and i think if we can get after baker uh you might force him into a few mistakes I think you have you have to get in his face. To your point, you know, with with these guys that we have the ability to th- that they can cover. I think you see a Jefferson stay back in the you know stay back, and you see Weddle come up, mm-hmm. and then you give a different look where you have where you have you know that look that they gave what was it two weeks ago where Tavon Young comes in and gets the sack, right? You know, coming off the coming off the corner, and that's exactly what you need to do. Disguise um, your blitzes. Exactly, you've got it. You've got to do it, and you've got to make it look good against you know a guy like Baker. Like you said, he's making it quick, which is you know why I was saying you've really got to get the pressure on him, and you've got to. Here's my here's my opinion on it, and some people may disagree with me. I think you are playing at the line. Yeah. You are chipping these guys. If I'm if I'm wink, I'm going to, if you're putting Marley on Marlon on Landry, I don't know what what are you going to do? I, who are you going to put on Landry, you know, all game? I don't are know. you going to rotate? What are you going to do? I think it just depends on how Jimmy comes back. If he's in game shape, if he's really ready to go, Jimmy is your guy that you put on your lockdown, but you know, if he's not ready game shape wise, Marlon's playing a hell of a corner. And I, it, here's the way I'm doing it. I'm telling him, I want you making Landry pissed. 
I want you in his face. I want you chipping him at that line. Yeah. You know, giving that contact the full five yards as, as hard as you can. Right. And, you know, and then staying with him because that's just going to piss Landry off. And if Landry's pissed off, he's going to start dropping the ball. We've seen that with him in the past when he was when he was in Miami. Yeah. When when he would when he wasn't happy that he wasn't getting the ball, all of a sudden, you know, you think, oh, all right, they're going to start throwing to him. They start throwing to him. He's dropping the ball. Right. He it's, he's got a history of that. So let's exploit that because if you take away a crucial weapon for Baker Mayfield, how does he respond? If you're putting it in his face, how does he respond? Right. You, you've got to do. All of these things and this combination of these things in order to be most successful in order to to really get up there and be in his face on this. I don't want to give Baker too much credit yet. He's still a rookie. He's only played a game and a half. And again, he hasn't faced a defense like this. I think the bigger worrisome thing for me with this team is our offensive line against Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett is an absolute animal. I said the same thing, though, about Von Miller when Von Miller came to town, and we did a pretty darn good job um, at containing Von Miller. But Miles Garrett, young young kid, built like a brick shit house. I mean, this guy is <laughs> unreal. He's like, yeah. you know, Greek god looking, uh, but very smart, very intelligent. Um, and he's going to give Stanley issues all day long. So to your point with Baker getting the ball out fast, Flacco has also been getting the ball out fast, and that's a trend that we need to see continue in this game if we're going to have success and put up the kind of points that we've been putting up. Yeah, you have to, you have to if we're going to continue on the offensive side of the ball. This, o, this O-line has to hold up. You've got you've to be knowing that you're going to be able to... Now, look, they did a great job against the Broncos right. in stopping uh, Chubb and Von Miller. You know, when's the last time you heard of Von Miller pretty much being silenced throughout the game? Right. You know, it do, it just doesn't happen. Right. Um, but I, I think it really goes to show, you know, what this defense actually can do and... Or I'm sorry, what this offense, offensive line can actually do. And as long as they're using the right schemes, using the right protection schemes... I think you give Joe a little bit more comfortability and get the ball to his guys. Yeah, they're gonna so. have they're gonna have to chip. They're gonna have to use double teams to you know to keep Miles Garrett away from him. But you just need to give Joe enough time. I mean, he is he is on another level in confidence right now that I've never seen out of Flacco. Um, just listening to him even talk in the in the post game interviews after this game, you know, he's he instead of being happy and and content that they just won a big game on the road you know he was upset because he felt like there was a lot more points left out there right he left some stuff on the table right and that's that's what you want to see out of joe that's what we've been waiting for 11 years is man get that fire and finally we're starting to see a little bit of fire from joe um and again you know confidence goes a long way in sports i don't care who you are yeah it does if if you can put up these kind of numbers and it does something to your self-esteem. It does something to your ego. It j- And that stuff carries on. And it's the same thing on the opposite end of that. If you play like crap and you let that bother you, it can really hinder your season. Yeah, it absolutely can. Um, so hopefully we can continue on this patch, but let's, let's get right into it, man. Let's, let's get into <laughs> our predictions for this game. Well, uh, let's let's look at last week first. Yeah, all right, let's go for it. Last week for Thursday night football, it was the Vikings versus the Rams. You, Woo, Ryan, what and a I. Game that I know, was, right? Man. 
crazy I, game. 38-31 was a final there. I, you know, all of us underscored this game. We all we all picked the Rams. We were all right as far as the Rams. I think Ryan were. was the closest. Yeah, Ryan was the closest on this. But, man, what an offense. The Rams are scary. The Rams are scary on both sides of the ball. They've got They're a, the best team in the NFL right now. Absolutely. I, Hands down. I'm, I'm going to get into my top five here later. I'm going to ask you who your top five are. But um, absolutely best team in the NFL right now, gate four games into the year. Uh, they win a huge game against the Vikings, which the Vikings held their own in this game as well. Kirk Cousins had a huge game in this game. Um, you know, Rams come away with the win, 38-31. to 31. We all had that one right. Sunday night was obviously the the, the Ravens Steelers game. Uh, all of us went. <laughs> maybe we were all homers on this, but or maybe we were on to something. But we all picked the Ravens. Uh, I want to say that you and I were the closest on the scores here. I yeah. guess I had it twenty eight twenty three. You had it twenty one seventeen, and it was twenty six fourteen. Ravens Monday night. Now this was a game that I was excited to watch. I thought that the numbers that Patrick Mahomes has been putting up for Kansas city going against a uh, kind of questionable secondary in Denver, that this might be like another crazy offensive shootout. Well, you, you were over watching the game with me. Yeah. Did, we didn't see it. Cause you let you left before it happened, but did you see the left-handed, the switch? unreal, <laughs> unreal. It reminds me of a kid in high school. When I was, when I was in high school, uh, I was a kid by the name of Richard Johnson played for Milford mill and, he ended up going to Virginia Tech. He was a hell of a quarterback at Milford Mill. Ended up going to Virginia Tech as a returner and a, and a wide receiver there. But <clears throat> this kid was like five foot seven, five foot eight, maybe like a hundred and fifty or one hundred and sixty pounds, little kid, but fast as all hell, and had a cannon of a right arm. And we had him contained, and we're running towards the sideline to get this kid, trying to get him out of bounds. And he throws, switches hands, throws a 65-yard pass down the field in the back <laughs> corner of the end zone, left-handed to for a touchdown. It's unreal. But, yeah, I mean, Mahomes is on another level. This At first, you know, like you said, we were watching it. You watched the first half, and we thought, man. This is the you know the first time we've actually seen him. He's struggle. contained. They're containing him. He only had I think sixty five yards passing in that first yeah. half, but then he still ends up with over three hundred yards passing. He had the one throwing touchdown and he had the one rushing touchdown. The Chiefs win this one twenty seven to twenty three. Uh, so clean sweep. We all had the same picks this week and we all were right in this week. Yeah. Um, so let's get into this week's predictions. Obviously, we were just talking the Ravens and uh, Browns Sunday at 1 o'clock in Cleveland. Uh, man, I, I think that this game personally, uh, again, it's going to be another hard-fought AFC North-type game. The The Browns' defense is better than most people expect. I think Miles Garrett, like I said, is going to cause some issues. Um, and I, and I, I have a lot of faith in Baker. Uh, I think that even with some pressure in his face, and even with the DBs, I think he finds a way. But I have the Ravens winning this one in Cleveland, 27-23. Yeah, and Ryan has them uh, have the Ravens win at 28-24. Now, here's what I was talking about earlier. <laughs> this is going to be a shootout game. Yeah. I really think it, it's going to – I look, maybe I don't have – full faith on our defense that we're going to be able to get Baker in that, in that window that we were talking about earlier. Right. Uh, 
but this is going to be a close game. I have it 27-24, but I have it in favor of the Browns, and I'm going to go now and wow. say it's going to either come down to the last two minutes mm-hmm. and what Baker can get them down the field and wind up scoring a field goal, or it goes into overtime. Okay. I've just seen too much out of what they can do and what Cincinnati did to us scares me. Yeah, I mean our defense if there again, if there's anything that you can la- you can knock on the defense is they they tend to get off to a little bit of a slow, slow start. start. Yep. But like I said, wink with his adjustments, in-game adjustments and all that stuff. I mean, they've shut teams down on a pace that that's unreal. I think they've given up what was it? 9 points or something like that. They've given up Nine points in the second half. It's the first time a team hasn't let up a touchdown in the second half of a football game in the first four games since 2006. That's it's 12 impressive. years. In a pass-happy league. I mean, this this league is ridiculous right now with, again, with the quarterback stats and the numbers that these guys are putting up. There's like four or five quarterbacks right now in the league that are on pace to break Peyton Manning's record for most yards in a season. Four or five guys that yeah. are on a pace. Flacco's putting up almost 5,000 yards. He's on pace for it for 5,000 yards. <laughs> Unreal. So I, I get what you're saying, and uh, I do. Like I said, we both have a 27, I have a 27 23, you have a 27 24. So we both are right there. It's going to be a close game. You just have it going one way, I have it going the other. Yeah. Uh, Thursday night, we got the Colts at the Patriots. Uh, Colts are one and three, Patriots are two and two. Uh, this game, I have Pats. Uh, they, they need to rebound here, and I've got them 35 18. Uh, Ryan had them 24-20 pats as well. James says you're a Pittsburgh fan. Uh, James, <laughs> shut up. Hey, James, James. Undercover fan. James, shut up and win a fantasy team. Win a fantasy game. Oh, geez. <laughs> we'll get into that later. He did go there, James. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this one um, this one has, for me, this one has Patriots written all over it. This one has a pissed-off Tom Brady, um, you know, after a uh, – embarrassing loss to say the least in uh in in detroit um yeah i have the i have the patriots winning this one 33 24 and the only reason i even have the colts putting up 24 is because andrew luck's actually playing pretty playing pretty good pretty good uh coming back but yeah i've got the patriots winning this one pretty big yeah sunday night too uh decent game i'll call it decent game it's not a great game you got the two and two cowboys versus the one and three texans Ryan's got the Cowboys. He's a lone wolf here. Got the Cowboys winning this nineteen fourteen. I just can't. I can't go with the Cowboys. You know, I like Ezekiel Elliott, and he had a huge game this past week. But Dak Prescott, he's not a starting NFL quarterback, in my opinion. I, I he's awful. No, no, he's he he is a backup quarterback at best. And I know the Texans are sitting there at one and three, and they've kind of disappointed so far this year. Deshaun Watson hasn't quite played at the level that we thought he would play sophomore at. Sophomore slump. Um, I I don't even think it's that. I just think no. it's 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 coming back from the injury, being out for a while. He's he's. I mean, he's still putting up yardage. He's well, still you, putting up yardage. I tell you what. Let's remember this. It's not the Texans' defense that's the problem. No, because JJ uh, Watts got is actually matching the numbers of Khalil Mack. Let's yeah. remember that. No, Jay, their defense is solid, and like I said, once I think once Deshaun Watson 
gets it figured out and gets a little bit more comfortable, you know, on his leg and all of that stuff. Uh, we're going to see this team fighting for that wild card spot. Like I thought they would at the end of the year. I have the Texans winning this one, 23, 20. And I've got Texans as well. We're in one in 21, 17. So you and I, I think agree. It's going to be a fairly close game there. Monday um, night. It's got the, uh, the dead skins, <laughs> the dead skins taking on the, uh, the saints in new Orleans. Saints are another team. Um, I have them ranked pretty highly up there. They just got an explosive offense. Uh, Alvin Kamara is at him and, and Drew Brees together. They just they've got a really good thing going. Michael Thomas is putting up ridiculous numbers in receptions, and um, it's just a, it's a high powered offense. Now the Redskins are sitting at two and one with Alex Smith leading the helm. I mean they've played pretty well, um, and you know I think are an improved team in my opinion with Alex Smith than they were with Kirk cousins, but I don't think it's enough. Not against the saints, not in new Orleans. I've got the saints winning 35, 23 Ryan's right there with me. 32, 27. And I've got the Redskins winning this. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) I've got them running this 28, 21 with a last minute, with a last minute move by the skins and Alex Smith. But I also think it's going to come down to, for me, uh, Look, this could be a, this could be a tight game, but it comes down to me if Samadre Pirine is healthy for the Skins. Right. If Samadre Pirine is is healthy for the Skins, this is going to be a lot closer game than people think. Eh, uh, you know, that's just that's just my opinion from what I've seen. When he's been on the field, he's been a decent threat, and he takes the pressure off of Alex Smith and being able to you know get it to his receiving core and his tight end core. Uh, but you know, it's only time will tell. Yeah. We'll see, man. It's uh, it's some exciting, I think, primetime games this week. Yeah. Um, again, the Ravens taking on the Browns. I'm, I'm excited for that game. I think it's going to be a, a close game, like we mentioned. Uh, so no more no more easy pickings in Cleveland. Now, for the record right now, by the way, you're 8-1 in picks. I'm 7-2, and two, and Ryan is 3-0. and 3-0 so far, Ryan. Damn redhead. Don't, don't, don't get it to your head, Ryan. <laughs> it's time for a social media <laughs> shout-out. Uh, on Facebook, let me see. We've seen Ryan, James as always, obviously. Christy, uh, Nikki came through for a little while. Eric Keener was watching for a little while. Good to see you, man. I haven't talked to you in a long while. Chris Koppelman, uh, I think we both know yep. him. Good guy. Haven't seen him in a while. Lee, what's going on, man? Just went to lunch with Lee today. Guy I work with. Nice. Good guy. Uh, Trish, haven't seen you in a while. Haven't talked to you in a while. Good to see you in the feed. Joe Carluzzo, uh, also in the feed. Good to see you, Joe. Uh, that's all I got on my end. Yeah, I also see on top of that, I got Thomas, I got Carla, and uh, Carrie also watching this. Sh- has been watching the show going in and out awesome. uh, on uh, YouTube. YouTube, we've had uh, we've had quite a few people watching on YouTube for a while, chiming in here. Uh, George has been chi- chiming in, saying that uh, he he thinks by the way the Ravens are going to win twenty four to ten. Okay. Uh, so we'll, we'll kind of keep track of that for you, George. Uh, Michael's been watching uh, our boy Engraven. Uh, What's was, going on? He's been watching for a little while. Uh, and then on Twitter, uh, again, quite a few people watching on Twitter as well. Swaggy G. Uh, we have also had, I've got a Joe Serp has been watching, which we know Joe from yeah, our, going our on, Baltimore Joe? League. Appreciate you tuning in. Uh, we've got Jacob Rock 88. Up, and Jacob? real Jordan T has been has been uh, kind of coming don't, in now. Don't ever leave me again, Scott, and make me <laughs> read those Twitter names. Twitter is like the worst with trying to read the handles. I'm sitting there. I'm like, yeah, social media shout out. We got 
<laughs> I don't even know how to pronounce this name. And then you had a doo-doo in there. And it was like all – it's just – uh, Twitter is like a whole other world when it comes to Twitter handles. It it's is, funny. it is. You know, it's 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 the only thing we don't get is we can't get like the actual names, so that's so we're having to use Twitter handles. But James brings up a good point. Uh, going back to the Saints real quick, he said Breeze is only two hundred yards away for the all time record in passing yards. That's pretty. Yeah, he's pretty, that's pretty impressive. You know, for a guy that. Uh, in the beginning of the you know at the beginning of his career, I don't think the the Chargers really realized what they had in Drew Brees, and uh, you know obviously had the, the the Brees and the the Rivers situation and all that stuff, and um, you know Brees very close to being a Miami Dolphin at one point in his career, and right before he went to the Saints, and how different would his career have been for a guy you know of his stature and his arm strength playing outdoors eight games a year versus playing in a dome, you know, right. those things, but hell of a career for a guy that uh, really wasn't that highly touted out of college. Yeah, no, I mean, he'll, he'll be a hall of famer in my opinion. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. Def- definitely be a hall of famer. Absolutely. Um, before we move on to Terps real quick, uh, you know, I th- we did, we said, we said at the kind of the beginning of the show, yeah. um, you know, just kind of a, a quick little thing. I actually was out last week. You know, they, you heard the guys Don't talking. Don't leave me. <laughs> Never again, <laughs> bro. No, uh, so I actually had to have surgery. I had to have uh, my gallbladder removed. Uh, fun times because I had to go in a day earlier than planned. Uh, I was having some severe pain, fever, and uh, they, they were actually worried at one point about my appendix also being a problem while I was in there. Oh, Luckily, geez. they got in there. They were able to get it pulled out. Uh, my appendix is fine. Colon was fine. Guy actually, the, the the surgeon, twenty minutes into the surgery, calls my wife in the middle of in the middle in the operating room while he's operating on me. Calls my wife, we're asking her some questions, making sure you know because they saw something inside and they were worried about you know some different issues. She was like, "No, he doesn't have any of those issues." He was like, "Okay, all right, well, let me get back to this." Like, <laughs> goes back, goes back to wow. doing the surgery, but uh, they pulled it out. The crazy part is they said that my uh, my gallbladder. There's a there's a a term for it. I actually go see him on Thursday. I'll find out the actual term. But he described my gallbladder as a looking like a soggy piece of wood. Ugh. Like I was like, uh, yeah, that doesn't sound good. I don't want that in my body. <laughs> I said this to you last night. I, I've never seen anybody that's gone through the gallbladder surgery or anything. And you were showing me last night some of the incisions that it looked like your doctor was like. Going all over the canvas <laughs> trying to find this thing. Just is it poke, here? No, nope. poking oh, a hole. Is it here? <laughs> We're going to poke a hole here. Nope, that isn't it. Poke a hole here. Nope, that isn't it. <laughs> no, it was. Uh, so it was robotically assisted. They actually, it was, it, they put the robot over you and it's four of the robot arms go in and they all, you know, it's, that's why there's four incisions and each one's doing something different and pulling it out a different way and, you know, able to look in and do a camera and everything. So it was, uh, it was quite interesting. Honestly, I, you know, pain wise, it's I I'm so happy to have it out. I'm not having the pain that I was having prior good, to man. it, um, you know. And then the other side of things from the the pain standpoint, I, I took one dose of pain medication right after coming out of surgery, mm-hmm. and haven't looked back. I've been taking ibuprofen, been fine. Wow. So a little bit of achiness, really, kind of because I'm you know I got to watch out. I got to sleep a certain way, and I can't can't sleep on my side. I'm a side sleeper. Right. I don't know about anybody else, but yeah, honestly, I love way. sleeping on my side. But I can't sleep on my side, and it's killing me. Uh, that would drive me crazy. <laughs> it's killing me, man. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. So I'm good. I'm you know I'm getting good to out. have you back, man. Yeah. I'm glad everything went well and. Speedy Just recovery. Sl- yeah, it's a slow recovery, but it, hopefully it, it's it uh, you know speeds up here a little bit on it. Um, but Terps football. Yeah, we didn't get to see anything this week because it was a bye week for that. Yeah, week. not not a whole lot to talk about as a bye week. But I mean, again, the, the Terps uh, two weeks ago, big win 
at uh, versus Minnesota at home, uh, the forty-two to thirteen win. Uh, they've got this game coming up Saturday on the road at a tough Michigan against a tough Michigan Wolverine team. I think they're ranked fifteenth in the nation right now. Yeah, uh, they're sitting at four and one. Now they did come off of a, a close road win versus Northwestern, twenty to seventeen, in a game that I would have thought Michigan would have had a little bit easier time with. So maybe Michigan's not playing at their best football right now and. The Terps catch team them on their heels. Come, yeah, catch them on their heels and catch them unexpectedly. I, you know, hopefully that Michigan's not expecting a whole lot of Maryland. Like like we've talked about in the past couple of weeks, Maryland is a very run first team, and they've got a good set of backs. Um, so, minus one now. Yeah, minus one. We did lose one the other day. Um, Harrison Lorenzo Harrison goes down with a knee injury, right? And but, down for the season, by the way. Yeah, and it, you hate to see that, but you know, if there is a position that this team is deep at, like I said, running back is it. Uh, so they do, you know, have some flexibility with some guys there. Uh, the the thing, the thing that's going to be huge in this game is, do we get Savage back from injury? How long is he out? I haven't seen the updates on that. Uh, the secondary is really, really going to be tested in this game. They've got to, they've got to step up to the challenge, and having Savage out there is crucial for this team. Yeah, I mean they've they've they stayed locked down against Minnesota, and they need to stay that way against this tough Michigan team. Um, you know, Michigan is is a heavy favorite for this game, right? Um, you know, just even despite, like you said, with the 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 close game, the too close for comfort type game yeah. for me. Uh, you know, if I'm Michigan against Northwestern, um, but the other thing that that's got to happen on the the offensive side of the ball is this O line has to continue to protect Kasim Hill and give him the room and time to see down the field. Because I tell you what, when this kid gets time, he finds targets. Yeah. And he I, finds holes. He's got a lot of young wide receivers that he's throwing to, you know, obviously losing DJ Moore last year. He's he's looking for that go-to guy and I think DJ Turner can be that guy. Um they just got to get on the same page. You know, again, some of these games that they've played so far this year, they've just stuck to the running game because it's worked and it's been so strong, but when you get up against some of these powers, like the Michigans, like the Ohio States, like the Wisconsin's, you gotta again, kinda like the Ravens, you gotta keep that balance. And uh, you know, Kasim Hill having time, like like you said, it's gonna be huge for this team. Yeah, it has to be. It has to be that's the only way that they're gonna be able to to handle this Michigan defense is that the line's gotta hold up and give him the time. Yeah. So Well uh, this I'm happy one, about this part. I'm, I'm ha- happy. I'm happy. I'm sad. Um, a little bit of a mixed bag <laughs> of emotions talking about the Orioles. The Orioles season finally came to an end uh, this weekend, Sunday being the last game. And the Orioles finish at 47 and 115, officially 61 games back. EJ on Twitter says go Terps, by the way. Yeah, go Terps. Uh, officially finished 61 back in the AL East. They finished with a big 4-0 win against the Astros. They split the series two games, you know, two games apiece in what was more than likely Adam Jones' last game as an Oriole, Buck Showalter's last game as the manager of the Orioles. Uh, so it, it was a bittersweet ending for me. Um, I've always been a big Adam Jones fan, a guy that. You know, when he first came over, 
he was a little, he, he was obviously young. He was immature and he did some young and immature type things that, you know, some players do, but there's no, there's, there's never really been much of a question as to who's the leader in that clubhouse since he's been here. I'll agree to that. Um, he's been a guy that never shied away from the media. He's always been, you know, very candid <laughs> to say the least with the media. He doesn't mince his words. Um, he's a guy that, you know, depending on how you look at it, you can like that or you you can dislike that. But I, I personally like a guy that doesn't sugarcoat things, the guy that, that keeps it real. I mean, and that, and that's exactly what Adam Jones does. And on the bigger than baseball type things, what he's done in the Baltimore community, what he's done for the fan base, uh, and just what he's done as a whole for this organization, this city, uh, it goes – far beyond baseball uh, and what he's done for some of the inner youth and things. These aren't things that players are obligated to do. You know, not, not every player needs to do that, but if you're going to be the, the face of a franchise, if you're going to be that clubhouse leader, these are things that you should adapt into your, you know, your, your, your morale and your just your, you know, your everyday, part of your job, you know, part of, 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 of what you do as a major, as a professional. Um, it's, it's going to be sad to see him go and it's going to be sad. I wish him luck. I do. I, I wish him luck. I hope he lands with a team that, uh, you know, he'll get two or three runs at a playoff and two or three runs at a, at a title. Cause I know that's important to him. Um, and I, I think at this point, listening to him talk, he just wants to go to a team that wants him um, and he wants to go to a team that, you know, is going to compete and sure about that. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, I, I understand he had the opportunity to go to Philadelphia and maybe there was some hostility between him and Duquette or the front office, whoever that hostility again, maybe it was, there were some things that you can question that maybe he didn't handle the best way. But there's no question in my mind, Adam Jones, he's a future Oriole Hall of Famer, and he'll forever be loved in Birdland. I, I, look, I don't disagree with most of what you said. Um, the thing that I would dis- that I would disagree with is is I could care less if he goes to a, a contender, and that's you know as a player. Or, let me rephrase this: as a community member. Mm-hmm. Adam Jones has gone, gone above and beyond for this community, starting with Boys and Girls Club, yeah, doing all the little stuff, taking that, sending that team to the the Little League World Series, right. and taking care of, you know, little stuff like that. Adam has always done that. But for me, don't run your mouth, and I've said this before, because that's exactly what he said. What he did, you said it. He didn't. He doesn't mince his words. He wanted to go to a contender. Guess what? Philly was a contender. They're not in it, but are they not in it because you didn't go to them? We'll never know. But I do know that every other player that the Orioles traded right now is sitting in the playoffs. That's true. We are 100 100 for 100, you know, 100% on that. That's true, and I'm I'm not cutting you off. No, anything. no, go ahead. Go I'm ahead. just going to combat you because, and, and and I've already said this to you, but for those that have never heard my argument on this, 
if you listen to what he said in the podcast that he talked to CC uh, Sabathia, what was the Ryan podcast? Russo, R2C2, yeah. R2C2. If you listen to what he said in that podcast, the whole reason I think behind him not going to Philadelphia wasn't the fact that it didn't give him an opportunity to chase a ring because it did give him an opportunity to chase a ring. If Philly plays a little bit better down the stretch, they're in the playoffs. Here's the thing with Philly that ruled it out for Adam. Adam thinks, feels, he has three everyday years left in him as an everyday outfielder. Right. Philly was looking at him as a platoon outfielder in Philadelphia. If you commit to a team to being a platoon player, that affects your value on your next contract. He's a free agent at the end of this year, right? So his next contract is his last contract. And if you're any kind of smart businessman, which I think Adam Jones is, he's smart business-wise, it is about money to a degree, right? And it's also about Adam's a Adam's a grinder. Adam's a player, right? He doesn't no, want to no. he hang on. He doesn't want to be that platoon type player. Not yet. He truly believes in himself. What Maybe it's not center field. Maybe it's right field. Maybe it's left field. But he believes with the numbers that he puts up, with his abilities, that he could still be an everyday outfielder for three years. But if he sells himself short, goes to Philly and shows them that he's ready to be a platoon player, now MLB free agency, he's looked at as a bench player, platoon player type thing versus being an everyday player. And it affects his value. No, and look, I so it's a business thing. Do I, in my opinion, right? Do I do I get that absolutely? But you can't, you can't be saying, "I'm in it for a ring. I'm in it for a ring. I'm in it for a I ring." I agree with. And that. when I give you the opportunity I to go get a that. ring, you no you deny it. Right, I agree with that. So that's that is my biggest issue with that. So if he goes to a contender, I could honestly care less. Because to me, you showed me that your ring, a ring is not what's most important to you. I respect, do not mince this, I respect that he stayed mm-hmm. because he said he wants to stay it out. Do I feel that he maybe made it as a decision based on some other things and made made it based on spite? I think so a little bit. Um, but... Under that same token, I do respect that what he's done for the city, what he's done for, for baseball in the city. I agree with you. He will be an Orioles Hall of Famer, no doubt in my mind. But I also come from a standpoint, Adam Jones has always done great. And I've gotten into this discussion with a few friends of mine. Adam's done, Adam Jones has always done, he's always been a good player. Yeah. You want to know why Adam Jones never was a great player? Why is that? Because he couldn't take criticism, and he couldn't lay off an zero and two curveball. <laughs> the zero and two curveball was definitely his kryptonite. If he, <laughs> if look, if if he doesn't, if he learns to lay off that zero and two curveball, guess what? He's probably going to have more hits. He's going to have more walks, and he's going to be a little bit more of a contact hitter than he actually was. And if yeah. you do that, he he starts elevating himself into that level of being a but great player. That's Adam like Jones was that, a, I get that, but that's like saying if Chris Davis just hit the ball, he wouldn't strike out so often. You know what I mean? Like, well, that's it's, obvious. It's this thing called discipline. Yeah, I, I get that. I, I don't know. I mean, I still think 
He's a hell of a ball player. I said I have he's all a good, the he, utmost respect for Adam Jones. And yeah, I mean, like I said, some of the things that he may have done and some of the decisions he might have made could be questioned depending upon how you look at it. But I do. I personally do hope he gets a shot somewhere else. I'd like to see him get a ring. I'll be look. I'm going to be rooting for the Orioles of the South down in Atlanta. <laughs> right. I'm going to be rooting for Manny out in, in, in L.A. I'm going to be rooting for Scope out in you know uh, Milwaukee. I still have some interest in watching these playoffs. I'm going to be rooting for these guys, but I I, I would like to see Adam. Uh, you know who you know who shot. I want to see win this? Who's that? The Braves. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, they're basically the Orioles of the of South. Of anybody? Nick Markakis. Oh, absolutely. 100%. One of my favorite Orioles of all time. Uh, still bitter about the way that they handled him and let him go. Uh, but James says he wasn't going to get a ring in Philadelphia this year. Other teams are better. No, I, and I agree with that, but... Philadelphia obviously had a much better shot than the Orioles did and they had uh, a chance. They weren't they weren't that far out and and if you're Adam Jones and you have the confidence that you have, you know, like an go Adam in there Jones, and show them that you aren't going to platoon that you don't need to platoon. Right, you can show them that you're not going to platoon, but you can also go in there as I'm the piece that you were missing. We're going go. to yeah, we're going to the playoffs. Let me carry you like I did the US team through the WBC. You just never know. Exactly. I mean, he has the ability to do that. But like I said, I just think there were bigger reasons, financial reasons, uh, behind his decision. And there, there may have been. We'll have to we'll have to kind of see what happens. Yeah. Um. So to wrap up the Orioles, like you said, sixty-one games back, forty-seven and one fifteen. Do we do better next year, or are we the same? I think we do better, but it's not. It's marginal. I still think we're like a 50 to 60 win team next year. I don't really see us being more than 60 wins. I think if we finish with more than 60 wins next year, it's a win. That's that's a good thing for this team. I think we'll win. I'll think we'll end with 50 55. That's where, I, yeah. that's where I'm at, too. Yeah. So if we're plus 60. We're on the good side of things. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, real quick before we get into our fantasy, I wanted to show everybody because I got it in today, actually, ironically. Oh, nice. Uh, I got in the Birdland BS hat. Uh, so, you know, you guys heard me, you know, and saw me talk about it, showing everybody on uh, on Facebook and there's, uh, you know, the Twitter and the, and the YouTube. Uh, the cool thing about this hat, too, is like I talked about, you can customize the back. So you, you saw you thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. You get the at Birdland BS on there that I was able to put on the back. Uh, right. And this was prior to us changing our Twitter handles. So it actually I could have fit at Scott BLBS. For those that are listening on the audio podcast, it's a black and white Under Armour hat with the Birdland BS logo in the middle and the uh, at Birdland BS hashtag, or not a hashtag, but uh, Twitter handle uh, on the backside of the hat. It's it's a really good looking hat. It is. I mean, it's nice. It, you know, it cost me, you know, I think it cost me like uh, 30 bucks for the hat, which wasn't bad for a hat, especially for an Under Armour hat. It's Armour comfortable. Hat, right. Uh, and then I also got myself a, you know, Birdland BS shirt uh, again, this is all from our website with Squad Locker, yeah. um, so you can go onto our website and check it out. But you know, it's the normal Birdland BS logo on there, and then right on the back, it's that same thing of at Birdland BS. Uh, again, you customize can customize it to whatever you want. You can get it customized however you want. Um, so you know, you can jo- join the the BLBS Nation um, and get it. You know, be a part of it and get it customized to your liking. And there, there's a bunch of different styles on there that we've got. Uh, yeah. I just there's an all black hat, there's an all gray hat, an all white hat. Uh, but the, I like the white and black mix. I thought it looked clean. Birdlandbs.com. Go check out the gear page. We got everything there. Yeah, absolutely. Everything's right on there. So I, I got that in today, so I had to share it with everybody yeah. so that they saw it. Looks great. Uh, but into the fantasy football recap, let's jump straight into Birdland BS, yeah. our league. Uh, you know, I'm just going to say it because I go against him next week. James, 
win a, a game, please. But not this week against you, right? But not next. Yeah, not this week <laughs> against me. That's the only thing I'm saying. Uh, you're gonna yeah. you're gonna go own five, and then you can win a game. James go ahead. Holding down the fort <laughs> down there at uh, what's he? Owen Owen four now, maybe Owen uh, three. Owen, he's Owen four Owen right four. now. Right. <laughs> he lost this week. Yeah, this week I went up against PJ, and I always say about PJ. PJ is a uh, sneaky. He's good, a silent assassin. He is man. He's a sneaky good fantasy uh, player, and his team didn't disappoint. You know, I was projected to win this game prior to the game at one twenty one to one twelve, but uh, ended up losing one fifty four to ninety eight. Puts me at three and one. That's my first loss uh, on the year. I got a redhead coming up next week. So <laughs> coming up this week. So it's gonna be. He, you're projected to lose this one. Yeah, I haven't made any adjustments on my roster yet. So uh, you I think I got on, some guys on buy right now. Gotcha, but, gotcha, gotcha. But yeah, Ryan, you're going down, my friend. And I I took on Brian this week. I was zero three. Brian was one and two. Uh, it was a projected close close matchup. One fourteen seventy one fourteen to one eleven. And I won with the highest, that is right, people, the highest score this week, 160 to 87. So I am now 1-3 and three and take on G- the 0-4 James, 0-5. Uh, <coughs> <and five>. um, <laughs> and I'm projected to win again, 101 to 83. As we know, as we've always said, projections don't mean anything yeah. in fantasy football. Uh, but I think it's, uh, it's, it's safe to say that um, James... James is going down redhead um, with an important win this week. Uh, you know, sitting at one and two going into this week was up against three and O Jess, who's been off to a really good start. It was projected to be a very close game. One Oh nine to one Oh eight is where the projections were, uh, ended up Ryan winning this game. One forty three to one fourteen. Ryan has uh, been very boomer bust with his games this year. He's either yeah. put up a ton of points or not putting up hardly any puts Ryan at two and two on the year. Like I said, Going up against me next. Uh, we'll see how that one shakes out. But, uh, Redhead, you're going down, my friend. Yeah. No. And down. and for me with the highest score again, just to say that again, I had the highest score again. <laughs> you had a pretty good pretty good week. I had a pretty good week. You know, I made the move. I was debating it. I made the move of switching Dalton and Roethlisberger. Right. Uh, and I started Dalton. And it was a great move for me because Dalton wound up getting 27. DeAndre Hopkins, 29. Hunt got me 26. And Green Bay's defense, 23 points. Wow. So really putting it up this week. Yeah, for you Berlin BS BSers out there, start talking some ha- some some trash, man. You guys <laughs> go into the uh, the Facebook chat group that we got. Start talking some mess, man. I haven't seen you guys in there and haven't been active in a while. So let's start talking. But Baltimore in our uh, in our league that we do with a bunch of other podcasters and different bloggers from the Baltimore area, uh, we went into this week two and one and going up against Mister. Fantasy football himself, yeah. KZ Ken Zalis from uh, at Fans Fantasy and at PressBoxOnline.com. Uh, this was a game that I was worried about. KZ, you know, drafts well, knows knows his crap. I mean, he, he gives <laughs> fantasy football advice for a living. Exactly. So, guy does pretty well. And yeah, you know, my team didn't disappoint. They put up 120 points, but his team put up which team put up a little bit more <laughs> than than ours did at 146. Yeah. Uh, so that drops us to two and two on the year at 500 going up this week against John Darcy. Uh, right now we're projected to win this game pretty handily one twenty nine to 94, but we all know projections mean nothing. Exactly. John Darcy, check him out at JD fantasy FB on Twitter 
and jdfantasyfootball.com, back-to-back weeks against guys that uh, do fantasy football stuff for a living. <laughs> yeah. He's also a writer for Russell Street Report, so go check out John on Twitter and go check out his work on Russell Street Report. Yeah, exactly. It was. Uh, it's going to be quite an interesting go against these guys. I, I hope we can take a lot the of fun off. in that league, man. A lot of, a lot of really good personalities, man. A lot of fun people to cover. The a, lot, a lot of trash talk, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Minutes warning. All right, Scott. We welcome you back this week with the two minute warning job. <laughs> Ryan did a pretty good job last week. He did. I was watching warning. from yeah. the I was watching from the hospital bed last week. Yeah. Alright. Let's get the clock up here. Uh two. If I can get this to function properly. There we go. All right, Scott, your two-minute warning. It starts now. All right, ESPN is reporting some controversy in the golf world after the U.S. lost to Europe in the blowout this weekend at the Ryder Cup. I don't know if you watched any of that. It was it was just horrible. Patrick Reed uh, was stated publicly that he was blindsided, quote, that he wasn't paired with Jordan Spieth based on their past success. Uh, enter an anonymous team member reporting to the New York Post. He's not. He is so full of s. Blindsided my a. He begged to play with Tiger. <laughs> Controversy in golf much? Yeah, right. Uh, according to reports, police in Vegas have reopened a sexual assault case against Cristiano Ronaldo from 2009 uh, after a woman has filed civil suit against Ronaldo. Police said that on Monday that they had responded to the assault when it happened uh, on the date that the, the defendant alleged the civil suit or alleged the, the um, report and... The, they were stated as saying that she did not provide detectives with the location of the incident or the, the suspect description at the time, but a medical exam was conducted. Uh, LaMelo Ball is a ball. He's, far, he's starting a fight in Lithuania. Uh, his opponent appeared to tap him on the head after the ball went out of bounds. He's, his immediate response was to throw a punch at the guy's face. Uh, his team was leading by 15 uh, when the incident happened, and the team ended up losing 124 to 116. You know, I really don't want to see a ball in the NBA, or do I? Uh, Since he, it could just get him wrecked, like a, from a guy like Demarcus Cousins. And heck, where's Ron Artest when you need him? <laughs> Canada's Denis Shevapolva defeated South Korea's Hyung Chung at the Japan uh, Open on Monday in tennis. Uh, did so in dominant fashion with 14 aces and six of seven break points saved. With a final decision as early as December, the city of Seattle continues with being closer to the NFL's next expansion or NHL's uh, next expansion team. Almost got it through. Uh, <laughs> but after nearing ends of uh, renovations to the key arena, the city's now voting on potential team names. I have to rattle these off. Emeralds, Totems, Rainiers, Evergreens, Krakens, Renegades, Sea Lions, Firebirds, Cougars, Eagles, Seals, Whales, Sockeyes. Seattle guys, yeah, sockeyes. What the hell is that? It's a it's a type of fish. Oh. Um, but you know which one I like? The Seattle Kraken. Seattle Kraken's good. I like it. I like it. I like it. Sockeyes <laughs> though. Wow, interesting. Yeah. And uh, you know, puck drop tomorrow. By the way, on the Caps, yeah. seven thirty tomorrow night. They're gonna go against the Bruins. But before they do, they get the 
flash that banner in front Did of you see their rings face. oh those rings yeah are nice. those rings are, are pretty nice pretty sweet looking i might have to see if i can't find another replica like i have of the ravens rings up there and add that to the uh the podcast yeah that's <laughs> that would be nice to sit up there yeah, absolutely. you know what would be nice too what's that or a world series trophy yeah we got like 20 years. i was gonna say we got a lot of weight on that. We got a long way to go on that one man good lord uh well fred what a great show again 65 hey man we get a steal in pittsburgh we're heading into the dog pounds yeah. ravens and or you know orioles in their season uh, but we want to remind all of our listeners uh, to check us out on www.birdlandbs.com. Uh, we have all of our episodes there. You can learn about each of us, contact us. You saw the gear on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. You can go get your own. You can get it customized. Um, check us out to birdlandsports.com. Like we said before, we're on, we're on there with uh, some other sports podcasters and writers. There's enough content to cover every day of the week for you. It's for fans by fans. Uh, follow us on Birdland BS on social media accounts on Twitter at Birdland BS at Fred Birdland BS at Scott Birdland BS. Uh, check us out on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. While you're there, like, follow, subscribe, and share to be a part of the Birdland BS Nation. And if you've got questions, you want to, topics you want to hear about us talk about on the show, go and give us a hashtag BLBS Nation, uh, and your opinion may show up on the show. And as always, be sure to check out the audio podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or any app of your choice. Thanks for tuning in as always, and we'll be back next Tuesday night. You know the time, you know the place. For Birdland BS, I'm Scott. I'm Fred. See you guys. See you.